Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you what I just did. I almost recorded an entire segment without actually having plugged in the microphone. <laughs> Look, strange times for all of us, right? Remember, we're dropping the bar down. We're being kind with ourselves. Instead of uh, verbally assaulting myself <laughs> and shaming myself for the ridiculousness of almost recording, you know, dead air without uh, plugging everything in, I said, you know what? You know, it happens. <laughs> Anyway, we have a great show planned for you. <laughs> ignore that, ignore that. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about our bodies. We're going to be talking about happiness. We're going to be talking about the possibility of outgrowing friendships. That's a really, really touchy, punchy topic because it comes up more than you think. I don't know if it's something that comes up in your own life, but it comes up clinically and in my own life. And I've even been asked about it while at dinner parties, which P.S. is a very interesting space where if someone's familiar with what I do or finds out what I do without fail, at least one person at least says, hey, can I like pull you aside for a minute? I wanted to ask you something. Uh, because everyone has something around relationships and sexuality that they want to talk about or unpack. So, uh, but friendship, breaking up with a friend, really hard to do. Everyone, you know, no one likes breaking up with someone romantically, but we have a better sense of what that might sound like. But how does one go about breaking up with a friend? What do you say? What do you even have to consider? Ah, we'll stick around. We're going to break that on down. But I wanted to open the show just talking about social media. More from a relational perspective, more and more I'm seeing couples really complain about the use of phones. So just kind of a general reminder that remember, what really builds closeness and connection and intimacy is not just time together, right? Our mere bodies being in proximity is not enough. It's also about the intentionality behind it, but even bigger than that, eye contact. Now, I've told you before over and over and over that I'm one of those people where if someone's trying to talk to me while on their phone, I say, I'll wait. Eh gets various responses, but I know that you cannot multitask. We've talked about that twice on the show already, the uh, myth of multitasking. You cannot have your attention on two things fully at the same time. It's not possible. What you wind up doing is transitioning back and forth. And yes, we have what we call an implicit memory system, which is more of what people would know better as our unconscious. And yes, it's always tracking the environment, right? It's subconscious under our consciousness. And that can track some of what's happening in terms of you know someone talking to you, but it's not gonna make you feel close 
and you're not really gonna hear what's being said. So if you're out with your friends, I love the good old phone stack where everyone stacks their phones together at the edge of the table. And that's a way to keep your phone away from you. And it actually becomes a big act of disruption to grab it. And it really lets you know like, hey, we're together. You don't need to worry about who's trying to reach you right now. But couples need to do their own version of that. Either a certain time of night where you go into the curfew where the phones are put away, or there's like the no phone zone where no phones are allowed in the bedroom. That is couples time. Or again, like I said, a curfew after 7 p.m. or whatever it is, no more phone use. But bigger than that, just letting someone know if you want to be on your phone, hey, can you give me one second? I need to look at my phone. One thing at a time, right? Coming back and forth. But I want to really empower everyone to really demand that they are centered and prioritized. And often what we're, you know, really taking time away from someone to look at on our phone isn't always something meaningful. Sometimes it's just us, you know, kind of filtering out our anxiety. Um, I want to talk about a couple of things that came out in the news. You know, again, always using it only really as a jumping point. Um, this happened last week, and I thought this was really great. Harry Styles made history as the as Vogue, Vogue magazine, fashion magazine, the first ever solo male cover star. Usually it's a female, someone female identified. And if there's a male, he's more of a companion or secondary to the female, but he's the first one there. But why this is even bigger is he's wearing a dress. Now, anyone that I'm not familiar with him at all, actually, the only reason why I know him is because he's gotten press for wearing uh, what is traditionally seen as women's clothing. I think it's phenomenal. He's normalizing more fluidity. Now, my opinion is anything a male wears is male clothing. So if a man's wearing a dress, well, men wear clothes, men wear dresses. And I think it's really about not saying it's a male wearing women's clothing as much as it's a male wearing a dress and making dresses accessible to everyone. But what was really fascinating, and the reason why I'm bringing it up now, is it's echoed. This already came out, but it's had these like echoes. And I've followed up to read the commentary People are very distressed by this. <laughs> I even saw on the Vogue magazine's thread, because again, I went back to track it over the course of a couple of days, which is why I'm bringing it up in this late stage. Um, a couple of celebrities themselves posted comments, not happy, saying, I prefer my men to be a man. Um, he's still a dude. <laughs> I don't know why him wearing longer fabric, AKA a skirt, I don't know how that removes his manhood. I don't know why that even matters, but again, a lot of us are very obsessed with stereotypical expressions of, of maleness, uh, very much wanting someone to be the archetype of it all. But I'm here for the shift, the change in the fluidity because that's more honest and authentic. And at the end of the day, my God, it's fabric on someone's body. Let people live. <laughs> that's where mental health lies. Authenticity, liberation, just being your darn self. You know what I mean? So let's support that. So props to you, Vogue, because that's a double whammy, right? Putting a solo male on the cover and then having him in what is traditionally seen as women's clothing. My God, I'm here for it. All right, y'all, as always, question of the night. That is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. And coming up next, going to be talking about how to know whether or not you have outgrown a friendship. Important stuff, especially... With all that ethical drama coming out around the elections, you are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're going to talk about something that hit close to home. <laughs> I'm going to be real vulnerable here. I had a friendship, someone that I've been friends with for a while. And man, you've grown in different directions. And I think that that's something very hard for a lot of people, right? is again, culturally, we think that if a relationship doesn't go on forever, that that means somehow it was uh, not successful. We do that in romance, we do that with family members, friends, uh, but remember, the, the success of a relationship is not 
based in how long it exists, how long it lasts, right? Because understandably, we sometimes grow apart or things change. And that's true for marriages, that's true for committed relationships, that's true for friendships, even family members. And mental health is really about sitting in the honesty of, is this person negatively impacting my life? Am I negatively impacting their life? Because remember, I always want to make sure that we're assessing ourselves because that's really the most important part of psychology and mental health is who am I in relationship to others? When I'm brought into certain social spaces or people's lives, what kind of impact do I have, right? We talked about that on another episode where we were talking about dating readiness and it wasn't just about assessing potential partners that we're dating or whatnot, it's also about assessing ourselves and what we are bringing into someone's life when we're dated, right? So friends are the same way. You know, if you're a friend to someone, how are you showing up? What kind of friend are you? But, uh, you know, I was struggling with a friendship and it's difficult when someone's been in our life for a long time. And remember, there's so many different ways we can relate to someone. Maybe it's not about being as close as we were. Sometimes it's about shifting the intimacy that we share, right? How deep we go, how often maybe we see them. And that was part of it, right? Is this is someone who I've definitely outgrown, but we've been friends for over a decade. And uh, I was looking at this article, because sometimes I tap in articles just to see what other people are talking about. And this one was talking about signs that you've outgrown a friendship. Whoa, this article put me in my place in a beautiful way. And uh, I wanna share with you all what kind of came out of this, because I think that this is meaningful for many of us at all phases, right? You know, sometimes someone's meant to just be our friend while we're working with them or while we're in school with them or while we live in a certain area or even maybe when we're single and uh, or maybe when we're just with our child. So many different ways that people can exist in our lives for short periods of time. But let's look at some of the signs that maybe we've outgrown a friendship. And we have, to be, we have to remember that maybe uh, someone's outgrown us as well. And so someone might be thinking about us in these terms and maybe needs to exit uh, the friendship from us or needs to set a boundary and relate to us differently, not as closely, not as consistently, right? Not as with as much depth. But the first one is the, uh, the relationship is depleting rather than invigorating. And I think we should apply that to romance as well. Family members too. I always say we want to leave people better off for having been around us or with us, but at least neutral. And the same thing, healthy sex, healthy relationships, regardless of who it is, they should leave us neutral or better off. Even if there's conflict, there's nothing wrong with conflict. There's nothing wrong with fighting, right? But it's about how they leave us off. If we fight with someone, that doesn't make us worse off, right? But how we fight might. Um, are they name calling? which is emotionally abusive. Are they physically abusive, right? Um, is someone exhausting because maybe they're not as mature as we are? Maybe they have different ethics. And so when we're with them, we're constantly defending ourselves, explaining ourselves, or also maybe we're just not stimulated. Because I think it's meaningful to talk about the desire for invigoration or stimulation, right? Because we're, we're, we're in same places in our lives, or at least we can relate to where each other is, or at least we talk about things that are exciting or meaningful to us. And that's where I realized that when I hung out with this one friend of mine, it's very depleting. They, they just really haven't matured. And uh, we're not interested in the same things anymore. And the things that they're interested in um, are things that I've kind of outgrown or moved away from. And the things that I'm interested in, they don't really, la they kind of lack the... Uh, intellect or the um, interest, you know? And so it's just kind of ships missing each other. So again, in depleting relationships, maybe also you're asked to do what they call emotional labor where you're having to handhold or explain um, or look out for them or take care of them. 
Maybe you feel too further along and it can be really exhausting. So again, it's always about, like I say, with sex relationships of any kind, how do you feel when you're thinking about spending time with them? We've talked about that. When they text or reach out, are you excited to look at the text message or to answer the phone call? Are you excited about having plans with them? If not, look at that. What is it like when you're with them? And then again, with sex and relationships or even your job, um, actually it's third jobs in there too, hobbies as well. How do you feel afterwards? Do you feel... <laughs> depleted and exhausted, or do you feel neutral or positive or stimulated, right? These are meaningful questions to ask, but I really liked that first question. Basically, is it depleting rather than invigorating? So again, we're talking about signs that maybe you've outgrown a friendship, and I'm saying that this can apply to anything in our life. Uh, I guess a job, a hobby, a family member, um, even someone we've been in a long-term committed relationship with. Studies show over and over it does no one any good to be in a relationship you're miserable in just to keep other people happy, including children. And we'll talk more about that, but um, the more research I do for my next book, I was looking at a lot of studies on marital satisfaction, but more importantly, the impact of marital satisfaction on the health and mental health of children. And they do better, again, having happy people in their lives, not a miserable married couple that, quote unquote, still stay together. That's not meaningful. <laughs> Remember, the quality of the environment is what's meaningful. A uh, second step, or not second step, but second perspective, again, talking about signs that maybe you've outgrown a friendship, which really difficult thing to look at. Because again, we're always assessing ourselves as well. Uh, you become an expired version of yourself when you're with them. Mm. I love this one. So basically what that means is they haven't neither they 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 are not able to see or relate to you as you are now. They still see you or relate to you as you had been. And maybe you've grown, maybe you've matured, maybe your ethics are different, maybe your mental health is different, maybe your job, maybe your identity, maybe your gender expression, maybe your sexuality, I don't know what it is. But they're not able to rise or progress or advance and meet you where you are. The friendship is somewhat still stuck in the past. Um, we're going to go to break. We will be back and we're going to continue to talk about signs that maybe you've outgrown a friendship or whatever relationship it is. Difficult things to look at. Uh, yeah. All right. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right. We're back and we're talking about signs that you've possibly outgrown a friendship and we're really understanding that this can be related to a marriage, a, a romantic relationship, a family member, and that, uh, look, the length of time isn't what it's about. We're not just hanging in there for the sake of hanging in there so we can be like, yeah, friends forever, or a marriage lasted forever. That's not mental health at all, unfortunately. What is is looking out for yourselves and looking at the impact that people have on you, but more importantly, the impact you have on others. We always wanna make sure we're folding that in, and everything we talk about on Loveline is not just about assessing those around you and becoming the mental health police, right? It's also about assessing yourself because we wanna have a positive impact on those that um, we're in relationship to, whether it's colleagues, coworkers, loved ones. It matters how you impact them. It's not just how they impact you, uh, right? Because I've said before, it's good sign in therapy when I'm doing couples therapy or even individual therapy when my patients are assessing themselves and saying, look, this is what I'm proud of that I did over the week. This is what I really have guilt about over the week. I wanna work on this or I'm still struggling or I don't like seeing myself act like this. That's such an important sign. So the first thing we were looking at in terms of signs that you've outgrown a friendship is that the time with them, the relationship itself feels depleting rather than invigorating. Now the caveat that I wanna throw in here is relationships have the capacity to change. Sometimes we just create a system where we're keeping each other stuck. So please know if you're identifying, identifying with these things in relationship to something, it doesn't mean you just remove it. Sometimes, well not sometimes, please, uh, 
assess if, if you're part of maintaining that, right? Because uh, maybe you're honoring something that you need to not honor, or maybe you need to let the friend know like, hey, let's not be that those friends that are always complaining when we're together, right? Or hey, friend, I care about you so much. I want to talk about what it's like when we're together. And I notice we're on, we're talking negatively about ourselves or negatively about other people, and it doesn't feel good. Can we try to be more positive or realistic? So remember, we want to like work on relationships. We're not just checking the boxes of the things I'm talking about and booting people out, right? Um, sometimes you have to circle that block a few times and it's been beneficial. All the really important people in my life, I have the relationship where I can say to them, hey, it's been really hard. Our friendship's been hard this past month or year. Can we talk about that? And I've had friends that have come to me about that and I've been so glad that they did versus just cutting me out. Um, so the first time we were to just cover, the second one we were kind of leaving off on is you become an expired version of yourself when you're with them. It's a really beautiful way of saying again, I'm not able to be who I am now. I'm relating to them from someone I used to be or how I used to feel, or they won't see me as I am now. And the example of that would be, maybe you used to party and you don't anymore. Maybe you used to be more problematic in the languaging you used or whatever it was. And friends are still wanting to act like that. And you're like, I'm more mature now. I have more ethics. I center mental health now and I don't want to be like that. And they just won't meet you where you're at or vice versa. Um, they're no longer willing to see that you've grown and changed and they still want to hold you accountable. Some things you used to say and do that now you've worked through, worked on, taken accountability and you're like, I've moved on. And this comes up in sobriety where people get sober and they're like, I don't want to be around people that spend their time drinking. Even academics that happened to me when I really got back into school and academics, I was studying and reading and I started to want to be around people that were seeing the world in the way I was. And I don't mean that they believed everything I believed, but I didn't care anymore about who was doing what and who was doing who and getting to the bar and all that stuff. I, I was just focusing on career and the impact I was having. And I wanted people in my life that were more activistic. And uh, so I had to move on and let go of some friendships. Um, another sign is one person stops putting in the effort comes one-sided constantly reaching out to them constantly asking them to hang out and they're not responding and again remember we don't just bounce when these things happen we talk to them like hey checking in and this is hard but again if you can't say what i'm about to script for you to say then that means you have work to do but it should look like hey just wanted to check in with you i noticed that i'm often reaching out to see if you want to spend time together and you seem to not want to or not be available can we talk about that that's saying to the friend, like, I'm here to discuss what maybe I'm doing that's making you not want to be around me. And I hope that your friend will honor that question when said in that way. And it's non accusatory. It's just saying, let's have a very intimate, close relationship and talk about how it feels. I love that. I want marriages to, I want everyone to be able to do that, you know? So valuable point there. And then finally, you have nothing in common anymore. Just nothing in common. You know, your interests are different. Conversation feels stunted. And uh, that's kind of what I was feeling with the friend that I was referencing in our earlier segment that uh, this topic kind of woke me up to, which is uh, the things that they're interested in are not the things I'm interested in and vice versa. And we don't really have the ability to engage in or nor do we value or necessarily respect what the other one's doing. Not so much respect for my situation. It's more just um, maturity, intellect. Um, just interest, you know, they're still interested very much so in the LA social scene and who's who and what celebrities at what place. And I could care less. I don't drink alcohol. I go to bed early. I like to get up early and watch the sunrise and, and exercise. And I just don't care about those things. And there's just a difference in interest, you know, and it happens and we can mourn that loss. Uh, but sometimes we need to work on building friends that reflect back the ethics we have, but also the identities we have, you know? 
Some people want friends that identify as queer and they move away from their gay identify friends. They want that non-normativity, that polit politic. Sometimes people move more towards activism and feminism. They no longer want friends that are you know, rooted in heteronormativity or patriarchy or sexism and the jokes aren't funny anymore and the words they use for the different or same gender. And that's okay. You know, we get to be where we are. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we are back. Uh, sitting here looking at the story. God bless our opinions. You know, from a mental health perspective, I'm all about debate. I'm all about discussion. But let's keep it on things that are meaningful and important. Let's not ever make it about how we feel about the looks of another person. Looking at an article here on Christy Brinkley. Those that aren't familiar with her, she was a uh, huge model back in, what is that, the 80s, 70s and 80s? Anyway, it's about a discussion about whether or not she's too old. Yep, some journalists thought that that was a valuable worth, valuable and worthy use of their time, as did the magazine, also was on her social media in some form. And I just think, let's stop talking about people's bodies. Let's not make that the most important thing about someone. Because even when we do it, uh, with praise or in a positive light, it's still the same process. When we talk about someone's body negatively or positively or their looks, we're still reinforcing the idea that that's what one should aspire to, but we also trap them and ourselves by saying, well, that's what we des that's what we prefer in you, that's what we want. So maintain that, and it puts a person in a bind. If this is my best attribute, if this is the part that gets me the most attention, I guess I better keep it and maintain it because that's what people want. I love it if we could get to a time when we just backed off of that and instead just discussed the rest of life and the rest of world, thoughts, ideals, how we can, I don't know, make things better for everyone, you know? So again, let's back away. What would it mean if we didn't talk about people's bodies positively or negatively? What if we just neutralized it? How do I look? How do you feel? Do you feel great in what you're wearing? Good, go with that, right? All right, y'all, now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Uh, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been with my boyfriend for over three years. We started dating when we were 21. Now, right there's an issue. That's young, date. Be in a lot of relationships, but I don't usually advise getting into something committed that young. You wanna go out and experience a lot of different relational styles, sexual styles, really learn about yourself. Relationships help us grow. So I think it's great for people to be in as many relationships as possible, and when you get maybe into your 30s or 40s, maybe then start to consider, if even then, because one doesn't need to be in a romantic relationship, it's something we should want to be in, if we want that, for the sake of being better for someone and someone being better for us, right? We don't have to have it, and that's why we always say it shouldn't be high conflict. Relationships shouldn't be a lot of work. Honestly, they should not be a lot of work. They should take work, but they should not be a lot of work. This one says, so we're both almost 25 now. This is the best and the worst thing about our relationship. <laughs> we both see each other in our futures. I want him to be the father of my kids. His family loves me. It's great. <laughs> I love hearing that. That's phenomenal so far. But here comes the but, the fatal but. I feel like we need a break. I think we need to experience things on our own. See, here we go. You're kind of just <laughs> literally laying down what I just said. I feel like we should experience things on our own, uh, grow a little bit apart, and come back when we're ready. He got so mad when I brought it up because he thought it means I want to cheat on him. But it's not what I'm talking about. I just mean we need to go out and experience things alone with friends and then come back when we're ready. Am I the bad one here? Uh, no, you're not the bad one here. But I think that you can do both. So I want to hold space for the idea that in a healthy relationship, we are both participating in someone's life 
And we're also spending time alone in our life. That's where I say all the time, keep maintaining all your different identities. While in a relationship, you now get to be someone's partner. You still get to only be someone's friend. You still get to be just a family member and you still get time alone. Healthy relationships accommodate and allow for all that. Maybe one day a week, you go do something by yourself for the day. Maybe another day a week, you go do something alone with a friend. Maybe another day a week, you just spend time with family. Another day a week, you're with your partner on date night. Maybe another day, you double up or bring everyone together. But we get to do all those pieces. So what I'm kind of hearing you say is that your model for relationship is what we call <clears throat> heterocentric or sometimes toxic monogamy, which means monogamy run or relationship run in a way where we think if we're in a relationship, our life is about just them and only them and always includes them. And it doesn't have to. So I think you have the wrong perspective. I think you're both right, meaning you both can be together while also being apart because again, healthy relationships allow for both. All right. Love that. If you have a DM, drop it into our Loveland IG page in the DMs. And question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveland IG page. So weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the story. So weigh in on that. Going to talk about uh, happiness again, talking more and more about that. And I think that's because a lot of people are like, what does that mean? And, you know, what does that mean now? What does that even mean? And I think the COVID pandemic and the election has really shooken, shooken us up, shaken us up. And I think it's been beneficial. So I was looking at um, work from someone out of Denmark. And this is someone who identifies as a happiness expert. Um, I don't really know what that means. You know, people love to make up labels like that. We'll go with it. But what I did find meaningful was the research around it. So this is someone from Denmark. And Denmark, just to really place this in context, it rains on average 170 days a year. Okay, that's a lot. California, maybe twice. <laughs> so one would say, okay, well, it's not the climate necessarily. Although I do love rain and darkness. I My seasonal effective gets me more depressed in the sun and the heat. But that, we've talked about that. We'll talk about that again. But basically, it's considered, Denmark's considered the second happiest country um, in the world. And I love looking at research on this. Uh, Bhutan is one of those places that has a happiness index where they actually care about the happiness of their people that live there. Where places like U.S., we don't. We don't at all. We focus on money, capitalism, and consumerism. We are obsessed. That's our God. Everyone, in, in whether you say you're an atheist or believe in God, you do. In America, the God that we believe in and worship is consumerism and uh, money. Totally. You look at people's IGs. It's what they bought. It's the, the body that they paid for with their supplements and their equipment and whatever it is. We're obsessed with that stuff. When we look at places like Denmark, who is the second happiest, here's why. And it's not because they're all quote unquote meeting the market value for hotness. They don't, it's not because they have gym bodies. It's not because they all have mansions. Here's what they, here's what came out of it. And all of this keeps supporting the other research we talked about. I talked about on another show, what leads to happiness. And what kind of this one is here? Here's why. So the research looking at Denmark, right? Second happiest country in the uh, second happy, yeah, second happiest country in the world. And when they look at what the rating is, we'll talk about that on another show because I think that's really important too. But what are the the factors that they really looked at and pulled out of Denmark? Well, number one, a sense of purpose in life, and we talked about on, uh, that on another show where. 
what we should be focusing on is not happiness, but is our life, the things that we do with our time and energy rooted in things that give us purpose and meaning? If so, a natural outcome of that is happiness because happiness is fleeting. Happiness is not a state that we can always be in, nor do we need to be. Because again, mental health is a full range of human emotions, meaning feeling those ones that we call negative, that we think you have to get rid of. And it's like, I feel sad. I need to not be sad. Get rid of it. I'm anxious. I need to get rid of it. No, we have to learn how to allow those things. That's part of life. So again, Denmark wasn't like, look, we're never anxious or depressed. It was, we find purpose in our life, right? The other factor was meaning in their work. So they went even further and they said the work that people are engaging in career-wise also has meaning. They feel like they did something meaningful. Good relationships and finally health. So what, what, what did they, how did they get there, right? And this is really timely looking at their roots to this, to this, this process. First off was taxes. And I love this because one would think, oh, they have very low taxes. The opposite. In Nordic countries, they actually have the highest taxes in the world. 88% of people living in Denmark are happily paying their taxes. Here's why. It's because what they get from high taxes. Ready? Imagine this. Imagine this world. Healthcare is free. Sit there for a second. You are not paying for health insurance. Any of your medical and health needs are free. Elderly care free. You no longer have to worry about where to put your elder loved ones or trying to pay for an expensive home or even where you might end up. Elderly care is free. Guess what also is free? University education. You as a resident just living in the country get to go to college and go to school for free. Everyone gets to get educated. Not It's not classism like in America or racism like in America where not everyone has the same access. Some schools in America don't even have textbooks in their high schools and grade schools, right? So it's not everyone had the same opportunities. They don't here. In Denmark, they do because everyone gets free health care. So everyone gets their health needs met. Everyone gets elder care. Everyone gets university education. Ready? Even child daycare. It's heavily subsidized. So all the citizens are also entitled to economic support if they're unemployed. We don't shame you or punish you for being unemployed. They don't. We do. So that's wild. Also, it's not even one of the richest places, but it doesn't matter because they focus on their infrastructure. Another thing they do that I think is really important is their work-life balance. They enjoy shorter work days. They all get paid vacation. They get subsidized childcare. They get maternity and paternity leave. They actually have time outside of their jobs to have a life and to enjoy themselves and to do hobbies. I mean, these things are huge. (laughs) I had a friend who moved over there for those reasons and is doing very, very well. So it's interesting when we compare what's going on in our country to other countries. And when we look at the fact that America is not high on the happiness scale, by, by all means, it's quite the opposite. Um, and so there's so much work to do. And that's what I think a lot of people wanted us to remind ourselves is that Biden and Kamala getting elected is phenomenal, but that doesn't mean racism's done or gone. It doesn't mean homophobia is resolved. And hearing the president talk about trans identity, homophobia, disability in his speech was so stunning. Um, Obama started some of that trend, but that doesn't mean the work is done. We have so much to still do here. We'll talk more about it. All right, y'all. All right, y'all, we are back. It's time to do a little body positivity. Why? Because how we feel about our body impacts our mental health, and our mental health is impacted by how we feel about our body. 
because we live in a aesthetic obsessed culture, a body obsessed culture. People often don't even care about their mental health. They're just like, as long as I look hot, I don't care if the process I need to go to to get there and maintain that negatively impacts my mental health. Uh, but again, sometimes it's about the world we create around us. We don't want to keep strengthening a world that we're on the receiving end that harms us and others. So how do we break through that system? Well, we're going to talk about some of the uh, empowering body positive phrases that actually might be working against us and reinforcing some ableism. Body positivity and fat activism can sometimes exclude disabled people, and we have to make sure we're looking out for everyone. It's not that big of a deal. I know some people roll their eyes when we have to actually have care and compassion for those around us and ourselves, but... We don't have mental health without that, period. And uh, if none of this relates to you, God bless you, but it does to the rest of us. So the first thing is this whole idea, I don't care what size you are, as long as you're happy and healthy. You don't have to be healthy, that's the kicker. It's work that some people choose to do. And the reason why we struggle with that concept is it's health policing, where someone decides that health matters. And if I see someone doing something that's not healthy, I then feel like I have the right to judge them and weigh in on that. You don't. People get to decide what to do with their lives and their time, period. Um, you don't get to weigh in and tell someone, well, you're allowed to be in a larger body as long as I see that you're exercising. Stay out of it. Mind your business. No one has a right to comment on anyone else's body or their health. That is our, that's under our own care. I don't get to walk around shaming people for not flossing. Do y'all know that you should be flossing at least two times a day, every single day? But I'm not going to be like, look, I don't care what you eat as long as you're flossing because that's none of my business. And you know how ridiculous that would be if I was saying that to people in a cafe? I'm okay with you eating that as long as you floss that's that is not my business talking about larger or fat bodies and saying as long as they're healthy i'm okay with them being large is is also equally as inappropriate and oppressive people are allowed to have larger bodies and larger bodies do not mean that they're not healthy health comes at every size we cannot determine someone's health by just looking at their bodies tons of thin bodies or smaller bodies are also unhealthy and sometimes they're living off of cigarettes red bull and cheetos and, but people are like, well, they're skinny. Well, that doesn't mean that they're healthy. My father passed away from a random heart attack and he was lean, he was small. Tons of runners, marathon runners have artery issues, blood pressure problems, all sorts of things from their bad diet, but they're quote unquote healthy and running and they're not because of the visual that we assume that all is well. Other things is um, this whole idea that as long as you're not fat, I'm body positive. You, you have a limit to your body positivity. Again, everyone has a right to respect. And that's the whole thing with people of color, black people, indigenous people, gay people, trans people. They're saying, I don't need to meet someone else's standards to have human rights and worth. I, I have that because I, I, I'm alive. And saying that fat bodies are somehow less worthy is discrimination, prejudice, and violence. And body positivity is for everyone. It's actually born out of fat rights, the fat activism movement, because a lot of people were getting misdiagnosed because people were thinking their fatness was the problem. They weren't doing further tests or studies in, in their medical care. They were assuming it was just about needing to lose weight. And the word obese is a pejorative now. Everyone hear this. Using the word obese or calling someone obese is now considered a discriminatory term. We don't use that term anymore. Um, it is not body positive. It's not rooted in mental health, right? It's not a neutral term. There's also this interesting concept about celebrating all bodies, but when we're looking at the bodies in a lot of these photos, it often leaves out people that are disabled, and disabled bodies 
get a chance to be celebrated. They're also eroticized. They are also sexual bodies. They're also attractive bodies. And there needs to be a little bit of inclusion in there. And there's also this whole diversity piece too, where sometimes when we see people talking about, about body positivity or diversity, there's still only the hourglass figured larger bodies, or there's larger bodies only up to a certain size and doesn't truly include fat bodies, bodies that aren't hourglass, bodies that are rounder and fuller figured. Um, so that's another piece of perspective that we want to kind of bring into this. But there's also there's also an interesting flip to this because I know people that are body positive, fats, fat right activists, and they do decide to start exercising or they always have exercised or they do decide to start eating differently and some shift and change occurs, maybe weight loss, maybe not inadvertently, maybe even goal. And people start to think that that means that they're no longer body positive. And, you know, again, there has to be this core piece of everyone is worth and value because they're humans and everyone gets to decide what makes sense for them. And we want to start to create a culture where everyone can feel safe so that we can truly make decisions and live the lives we want to live. But right now, there's so much health policing where there's always these caveats. <laughs> You're allowed to do things to a certain extent, and then we get uncomfortable, and we think we have to really weigh in and uh, judge or label what other people are doing. And we really want to reel that back in. Because I know I personally don't want to move through the world with people making judgments about me based on what they're seeing me do. Make your decisions about me based on how I'm treating other people, <laughs> you know, because that's really what it's about. What are their ethics like? What is the, is their life rooted in making the world and everyone else better or worse? Like lean on, lean on some of that. Are they a good person? You know what I mean? But um, we, we want to really move away from people's worth being tied to them meeting our requirements or cultural requirements for what's attractive or beautiful. Because there really is no true standard, but there are standardized ideals that are often perpetuated and reinforced. And we want to kind of expand and erode at those. We want everyone to feel included. And I'm so thankful to be in a time where we're paying attention. We're, we've definitely not nailed it, but we're doing better because people are listening, right? And so it's important to keep calling things out and just paying attention to what you're saying and kind of what you're putting out there and helping strengthen. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to be doing a question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. That is on our Loveland IG page in the stories. And then we'll be closing out the show with some DMs. So if you've got a question for me, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and we will get to it. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back. Uh, Lifetime movies. You guys watching those? I'm not a big fan. I, I might try to this year because this year Christmas is going to be different. Not bad, not broke, not canceled. Different. And as I keep saying, let's still follow through on some of the norms or the rituals because I think that that makes it very sweet if you want to or you choose to just ignore it. It is just another day if you choose to make it so or use as a day to honor whatever you want it to be about. Lifetime traditionally has those sappy, sappy movies that are really sweet and endearing if you skew that way. Uh, I'm more of a horror and crime fan, so... I need a little more of that in there. However, I love that they've expanded. There's going to be multiple gay-centered um, films on the Lifetime channel, which is phenomenal. Of course, that will upset a lot of people, including that infamous group, One Million Moms, which turns out is just literally like one mom, one mom who's got her panties all bunched up about anything that literally involves something non-white or hetero, God bless her. Uh, definitely not doing the work of Jesus with that one. Uh, but this time, right for this one, I mean... <laughs> Talk about COVID specific. Lifetime will use plexiglass during kissing scenes in their upcoming holiday movies. 
God, good. But what does that look like? How is that not somehow visible? What angle are you shooting from? That plexiglass is so clear that you can't see that. Or how about just don't have kissing scenes? I think you can still be a very have a very romantic film and it doesn't have to have a kissing scene. Am I wrong? Like there's so many other ways to express uh, romance and love and care other than kissing. Just do lots of, well, I guess you couldn't do maybe snuggling and handholding. I don't know, y'all. I'm not a film producer, so I don't got to worry about it. But um, I think that's kind of funny. There's something endearing about that as well. Uh, lots of changes, things like that, though. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to see how much more of that we have and for how long. Because uh, we don't have a vaccine yet. And I'm personally not going anywhere until there's a vaccine. And that's why I'm seeing all my clients from home, doing the radio show from home, because I don't trust the boundaries others are holding. I still know far too many people that are out there uh, having sex in ways that I don't think are safe, uh, socializing in large groups. It's rough, y'all. <clears throat> all right, though, but guess what? It is time for question of the night, which, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories, uh, weighing on the next one. So this question of the night was, as the weather gets colder, ooh, which I love. I love the cold weather. So thankful that the heat is gone. I love the darker, colder weather. I love rain. love all that. Question tonight, though, is as the weather gets colder, what are some things that make you feel better at home? I think this is really beautiful. I have gotten a new blanket, and it is this thing I'm obsessed with, and me and my cat spend all of our downtime rolled up in it like a burrito. But I want to hear about y'all. So the first person said, I cook more at home. More soups, chili, makes it feel more homey in the house. See, that's beautiful. Because not only are you doing an activity, uh, maybe learning a new skill. There's something really delicious sometimes about putting your own time and energy into a meal, but also the smells. If you cook the right thing, it can really aromatically shift the energy of the space you're in. I love that. Uh, someone else said, me and my partner make a list of movies that we have to finish before the end of the year. I love that. Uh, me and my partner, though, have two very different lists. <laughs> so it's an interesting, it's an interesting combo. Although I think we both like horror movies. I definitely skew, as I've said, more that way. And I'm not really a fan of the more rom-com. But um, I just find them the tropes so repetitive. You know, it's the same thing over and over. Just not usually very dynamic or interesting. Anywho, I digress. Question tonight. As the weather gets colder, what are some things that you do at home to feel better? Someone said, definitely winter shopping is therapy. I live in Chicago, so new winter coats is a must. I also love cold weather fashion. I love hoodies and jackets. And hats and things like that. Such a big fan. I find summer clothing so boring. I just wear like dirty cutoffs and like dirty sneakers. Notice how everything's dirty. Uh, someone else says, question night, as the weather gets colder, what are some things that make you feel better at home? Somebody said, my favorite part of winter is that people stay inside. So stores aren't as busy. Too many people make my anxiety get worse. Same with me. Uh, there are some coffee shops in LA COVID that have outdoor seating, but even in the colder weather in California, it doesn't snow or really rain. So you can still sit outside. I just bundle up even if they don't have a heating lamp. Cause I'm with you on that. The more people, the more, uh, my anxiety spikes and, uh, yeah, stores kind of empty out a little bit. Question night, as the weather gets colder, what are some things you, uh, do at home to feel better? Someone said, I put up my Christmas tree literally the day after Halloween. Holiday season makes me so much happier. I'm glad you do that. Some people have these rules, you know, you have to wait until after Indigenous People's Day or whatever it is to put up your Christmas tree. Put up whenever you want. If it makes you happy, do it. Go with it. Put up 10 trees, you know what I mean? Um, my babes put up a, a tree recently as well, needing needing to kind of bring that uh, positive excitement into the home. Uh, question tonight, as it gets colder, what are you doing to make it better? Someone said, I like cuddle season, obviously. Looking for a quarantine bay. 
I know. <laughs> I know. Go online, though. Tons of people are on there looking for people to connect to, just even in the short term, which is meaningful as well. You can have a great conversation for the day. It doesn't have to go any further than that. Maybe it's for the week. Maybe you set something up to do outdoors, you know, socially distanced or, you know, to be continued. Online sexting and Skyping dates and romance. It's a beautiful thing. Anywho, thanks to those that participated. Uh, coming up next, we'll be back in two minutes with that two-minute promise. We're going to be doing those DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. So if you got a question for me, drop it on in there. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, right. We're back. It's time for uh, DMs. Let's slide on in there. Sliding into the DMs. Find the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris. So this election, what election? has put so much stress on me. I know, it's a tough one. It's because it's still going on. That's the thing, like Biden won. Biden won, take your toys and go home, Trump and Republicans, but uh, nope, fight and fight and fight, ego, ego, ego. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens next, so I appreciate it. Like uh, the election has has completed, it has concluded, uh, but yet it still is open-ended somehow. God bless it. Uh, so your question says, I've told a group of my friends how much stress it is, and they kind of laugh at me. Well, welcome to privilege. They must have a lot of privilege if they feel untouched by the ramifications of what's going on in some form. Or they're just really secure in the idea that Biden administration is following the law and will legally just drag Trump out by his hair, which is, you know, I have no problem with that. Once he officially takes over office, Trump is not, you know, legally allowed to be occupying the White House, drag his ass out. Um, they, they don't take it as seriously, you say. So I started to passively cut them off. Am I overreacting? Hmm, it's a good question. It just seems that if this election didn't matter to them, then they don't have morals or ideals that align with mine, and I didn't see it before. So I see this as a little bit different. So people, uh, I'm not hearing you say that they're Trump supporters, which means they support bigotry and violence and homophobia and all that. I'm hearing you say that they're not still under a lot of stress or duress because of the current situation. That's what I heard you say. Um, I wouldn't cut them off because they found comfort in the election of Biden, which is the best case of scenarios that were possible to us and that, you know, him and Kamala are going to create the needed changes, we hope, right? More so than Trump. So maybe they're just confident in that. I want us to be very thoughtful about what we're cutting people out of our lives for. That doesn't sound toxic, that they're not still living the anxiety. In fact, they might be modeling for you healthy behavior, which is like maybe suspend reality for a minute. Not much more we can do at this time. Sit back and trust the process. Because I do trust that process. I do not believe that the Biden administration is just going to sit back and let Trump uh, in his fascist uh, authoritarian style just continue to do what he wants with you know total disregard for everyone else. I don't believe that that's going to be allowed to happen because even his own Republican supporters are like Chris Christie, God bless, was like, yo, dude, it's over. You lost. Go. So there's something meaningful in that to me. <clears throat> so don't boot people out because they've you know, found a way to suspend the reality of possibilities or whatnot. I do say, though, that it is okay to want ethical, you know, accountability and ethical compatibility in general. So if they're not worried because they're Trump supporters, that's a different conversation because I appreciate that you don't want those kind of people around you. But you got to make that distinction, you know. All right. So I'm losing my voice. So that's not good. Okay. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about some celebrities. What? I know. Normally, I could care less what they're up to. 
However, Katy Perry and Wentworth Miller are doing something good, and also one of them's doing something bad. You could probably take a guess. If anyone's followed my work, you know I am not a big fan of one of those people because they're constantly doing something messy and sloppy. Yeah, white privilege at its best, white cis hetero privilege at its best, so I kind of just gave it away as to who I'm talking about. And we're also going to be talking about what you need to consider uh, when you're trying to re-enter the dating world, which really applies to everyone that is maybe not just newly re-entering, but is still in it because... Uh, it's a hot mess out there, y'all, and we are responsible for it because we are that system. It's not something that we're not, you know, in control of or participating in. We all are. So let's do better. Also, question of the night is already up for tomorrow, so weigh in on that. And if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going over to wearechannelq.com. You can post, you can share. And also my show, I'm listening live. Celebrities and experts talking about the intersections of mental health and COVID. Always heavy on the self-care, and that is on all the radio.com handles, and it live streams at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on all the radio.com handles, like I said, which is their Instagram, I'm sorry, no, their Twitter, their Facebook, and YouTube. And you can also check out those past episodes. And as always, Love Line will be back tomorrow, as I said. Always dropping those gems, y'all. Make sure you focus, if you haven't yet today, on your self-care, on your rest, and just bringing in a little bit of joy and pleasure, because that is how we're going to center and normalize our mental health. But as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night.